What's up, guys, and welcome to episode 73 of Movie Morning. Keep in mind that I had no news episode because I wasn't here. So we'll be starting once again this week after a couple weeks off. But, yep, this is my Arrowverse week, week two rundown. I'm recording this way before I see most of the episodes because I'm talking about Batwoman first, of course. But I'll be honest, this week's run of episodes is pretty similar to the first week, unfortunately. And the qualities from each show's episode were pretty similar to the first week, except we didn't have one for Arrow, which I think was a great was a great um, starting, you know, which I think it started off pretty well, to be honest. But, yeah, so, first of all, I want to say that, yeah, so, yeah, let's just get into talking about Batwoman. Again, they won't be that long. They're just mini-reviews. Keep that in mind. That said, we're going to start talking about Batwoman right now. Anyway, Batwoman, Season 1, Episode 2, The Rabbit Hole, that's the title. Continues off from the first episode and the plot line it ended with, which was Alice being the sister of Kate Kane, who everyone thought died in a car crash. Beth Kane, I'm guessing. Beth Kane. Anyway, first off, we're going to talk about Ruby Rose. Once again, I know we talked about her last week, but she was actually very good in this episode. Once again, I really liked her in this role. In Elseworlds, I thought she was okay as Kate Kane, but fantastic as Batwoman, even though we barely saw whenever she was talking. I really felt her presence, which was definitely needed. But Ruby Rose is a definite highlight in the series so far. I also really like Jacob Kane, the actor who portrays him, but I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But Jacob Kane, I really like. I love his relationship with Kate Kane. And whenever they're talking, you really feel like there's a sense of urgency and emotion that's driving through each other's each other. They're veins, and yes, I I think they built up their relationship very well in the first two episodes. And there was some tension between them with the Alice storyline, and I love that. And I love how K- K- Jacob Kane was thinking like, okay, we go to their old house to see if Beth would actually go there, even though he told Kate Kane there's no way this is possible. There's like little him him being of two minds, a devil and a you know, and a, and pretty much sure. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that about his character, and I think he's probably the most compelling in terms of a side character. He's probably the most compelling character that we're going to go most compelling character for me, at least. Okay, with that said, now we're going to talk about the Alice-Beth plot, Alice and being Beth plotline, which was developed a lot in this episode. I started off the episode, you know, she's just come off um, knowing about it because of, you know, the the dagger, which has the same um, emblem that we saw, we see on, um, I think, Kate Kane's necklace, if I'm not mistaken, but we see her explaining to her dad over dinner, Jacob Kane, of course, and also to um, her foster mom and uh, sister, foster sister, whatever. And, yeah, we do get to see a lot more of her in an episode. I really don't like the actor who portrays her, and they're setting up a lot of drama with her character. I, there's not much to talk go off in now, but I, the final scene, that was pretty cheesy between them. I'll talk about it more when we get more of that stuff. It's just a mini-review, and I don't think that's worth being talked about. Alice, the Alice being Beth thought on was developed. Jacob Kane found I didn't believe her at first, but still went to look at their old house they used to live in to see if she would go there, and they find a body, which they find someone there who's dead and her, her, his neck has been completely slid open 
it was pretty gruesome for, I mean, you don't see it happening, but it, it was a pretty gr- gruesome image for the rating, which I think is TV 14 or TV 15, I'm 100% sure. It was pretty gruesome, I'll say that. It took me by surprise what they showed there, and also in the pictures after, after that. But we have Kate Kane, almost said Ruby Rose again, I don't know what I'm doing, meeting Alice, and they pretty, she pretty much supposed to be, and she's Beth, and she's pretty much been waiting for she, but then, because her dad never found her, she pretty much drove into madness. And I like that about her character. I like that she's pretty conflicted, and we see her at moments kind of starting to care about Kate Kane, but then, like, no, I, I can't go into this hole. Jacob Kane never did anything for me, and I want, I want to pay him for that, pay him back for that in a bad way. So I like her character's conflicted, and I actually was pretty invested in the plot line going on of. And we had Kate Kane rescuing her after the plot after the um, police took her. He still went for a rescue, but then, you know, he can't. But then, you know, the uh, the crows or the police I can't remember shot um uh, um shot into the water, um fired some fired some guns into the water, and then there was an explosion. And then they separated, and then by the end of the episode, um, Alice is pretty much Alice pretty much knows that Kate Kane is Batwoman, which isn't too surprising, because I think it's not the biggest mystery to try to find out if you, uh, you know, like, connect all the dots, which I think a lot of these shows are struggling with now, which is why they're starting to, like, have a lot of a lot more identity reveals, like Arrow, Supergirl was going on last year, The Flash. Okay, fine, The Flash has, hasn't really gone there, but Barry was tension with that in season four. Threatened with kind of maybe giving it up, but there's a bunch of things, and now this show, there's you know, there's uh, identity and stuff. Identity is probably one of the main themes of these shows, if you really think about it, and I like that. But it's getting harder and harder to have these superheroes keep their identity. I'm talking about this for pretty long now. We got to talk about the Sophie story. I'm gonna go over this quickly. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, there was a lot of drama and everything, and the CW is not that good at that, honestly. And that's pretty much all I have to do, talk about with this episode. And I'm just going to give you guys my recommendation. And yes, guys, if you don't want to watch these entire seasons, because I know they're very long, I will, I will say at the end of every episode if this one's worth checking out and if it will contribute to the season. In case you don't have time to watch every single episode, of course I will, because I'm a completist. And if I don't watch them, I get mad at myself. That's just how it is for me. So I got to watch these, even though they might be going down some pretty bad a pretty dark path in terms of quality. But anyway, I'm going to give Batwoman Season 1, Episode 2, The Rabbit Hole, a B-. minus. Same score I gave for the first one, but I didn't... I wasn't as invested because like, I was like, okay, I know some of the flaws which will come up, but during the first one, I was really open-minded and kind of took me by surprise sometimes. This one, I was kind of expecting something after I saw the first episode. It's the same level of quality to me. I really hope it gets better because I feel like if it keeps giving these same type of episodes, my grade is going to lower and lower and lower and lower and lower and lower lower every single time. But if you saw the first episode, I think this is one you've got to watch if you want to keep up with the main storyline of the season. This isn't a filler episode. It continues the story of Alice and uh, Kate Kane and her family. So I think this is one you've got to watch. To get, to get everything from the season. But I didn't mention this in my last week, but if you 
want to get everything for Supergirl this season, I guess you got to watch the first one, but it's like, I feel like they would just catch you up. They, the Supergirl episode, they never really tie into each other for some reason. I don't know, that's why I'm not, until season four, which I think actually did a good job, but we've been talking about this episode for eight minutes. I really am considering doing full-length reviews, because I can already tell this is going to be one long weekly rundown. All right, so next up, we're going to be talking about the Supergirl episode, which is season five, episode two. Let's get into it. Alright, Supergirl, Season 5, Episode 2, Stranger Beside Me. I'm going to quickly run over this one because there isn't much to talk about with this episode, although I will say it was basically the same as the first episode, and a lot of the episode didn't feel like they really knew what they were doing to me. I don't know, Supergirl this season from the first two episodes, I haven't seen the third episode, although I'm uploading this afterwards, is it feels very, this, this Supergirl, it feels like they don't really have a target, except they know Crisis is coming, so they just got to put couple little small pieces like John Jones' brother, but besides that, they don't really know where they're going because they've got to do Crisis. And Crisis has done good for most shows except Supergirl. I think it's made the writers not have a fully laid out target for the, to the end of the season yet because I don't, I don't think, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this, uh, they would, they weren't given the, the same amount of like kind of heads up from Mark Guggenheim or they were given a late heads up and a change of their plan. I don't know, but they just didn't have as much. They they don't really seem to know where they're going. This episode was pretty average. I don't even remember most of it, to be honest. Like, I watched it a couple of days ago, but... I don't know, I just... I don't really remember much about it, either, because it was, to me, pretty forgettable, and it's kind of boring, too. Like, I... Do you remember the Eve, um, Eve and Lena um, with the um, making the, trying to like steal the head of Catco? I don't even remember her names. So, you know all that stuff. I remember that. That was pretty weak. The acting wasn't great. And there is some tension between them, especially after she bought the company. And I like that. that they're trying to get someone. They're trying to do some new things. Besides that, the plot line with Supergirl in this episode was. Matt, and I thought basically everything was mad, and I don't even have too much to say. The only thing about making full reviews is that I don't know how I'm going to talk about Supergirl, because I'm not very good at it. Very good at talking about Supergirl, because I just, I, I'm not at all in sync with the show. It's a pretty weak episode overall. I'd give it a, a, a C-, minus. it's pretty lackluster overall. Next up, we're going to be talking about The Flash, Season 6, Episode 2, A Flash of the Lightning, which is the name of an issue from Crisis on Infinite Earths. I'm pretty sure that's kind of cool. It's a nice little nod. And and luckily, I did enjoy it. I did actually quite like this episode. This was a very good episode, I think. Not very good, actually, but pretty good. First up, we're going to talk about Frost and how she, like, the art storyline. That was... I wasn't all into it, but I, it was kind of... I don't know, I liked it. It was something new, and I like that they're trying to actually make a character out of it, which is good. They have never even done this before. I'm pretty excited for where they go with the storyline the, for the rest of the season, though, because I think they might be setting up Caitlyn going full-time Frost, maybe no more Caitlyn Snow, although I wouldn't like that. And They put a couple pieces in there. I don't think they would go do that, but I don't know how it's really going to work with Caitlyn still having quite a big hand in everything. So, maybe they're going to they're gonna combine, like, Professor Hulk in Avengers Endgame. I'm not really sure. 
Also, another thing I loved was that at the beginning of the episode with Barry and then like Bar- Barry and then all the flashbacks, I think, and stuff like that. That was awesome. I really liked that. It was pretty emotional to see, and I, I, Grant Gustin in this episode is fantastic overall. And even in the first episode, he was great. I cannot wait to the my the main thing about what I love the most about the Flash is really Grant Gustin, the character of Barry Allen, because he's done such a good job over the fit great amount of years since he's great. He's been playing this character, and I really liked him in this episode. And with that, now we're gonna. We're gonna now we're gonna talk about the crisis storyline, what they set up in this one. First of all, we had Dr. Joan Williams, who is the wife of Jay Garrick from Earth Three. We went there, then we had Barry put on the helmet that uh, the Flash wears from Earth Three, puts it on, then he sees the um, sees Crisis the day after Crisis, where everyone from Earth One, including Cisco, Caitlin, Ralph, I think all Iris as well, got hit by antimatter, like the end of. Um, the Arrow episode, and they're all wiped out. And then he's, they explain that he basically is seeing multiple different, um, multiple different, um, he, that he's seeing multiple different, uh, futures. One in which they, everyone from Earth 1 dies, the other in which he's running, and it's a scene straight out of the comics, which I love. And then he's, he pretty much, he starts to disintegrate. Like, kind of like he's being Thanos snapped, almost. He's disintegrating, and then he dies. Like, it's basically like the comics. But, yeah, that was my favorite part of the episode. By far, that scene was fantastic. And every time Jay Garrick and John Wesley Shipp shows up, there's, like, a certain levity that he adds and, like, a grandeur he adds to the show that I love because he was the original Flash, although I never watched that show. There's a presence that he brings, which I think no other character does especially with these legacy castings like him which supergirl tends to do a lot more and they don't really do it that well but this was a great one they did that the flash did now another thing is that we had a new reporter by the end of the episode of allegra garcia who she at the start of the episode was being accused of something although she wasn't actually responsible for it and cecile knew it of course with her powers there was some drama around that in the episode by the end of the, by the end of the episode we learned that it's her sister, I can't remember her real name, but the villain's name is Ultraviolet, who appears. And then the final fight between her and the Flash, I actually quite like. I like, I like the ending chunk of this episode. It was pretty good. And just defeated. But she is set to come back in episode six, which I think, I think, which is an episode which will be more focused around her. It's kind of strange. Episode six feels like nothing compared to the rest of the season. When we think about episode six of Arrow, it's almost the end of the season. That feels kind of weird thinking about it right now. But we don't have much development to the villain, so I don't want to accuse her of any of being a bad villain or anything yet. But because we don't have like anything to really go off of with her, it's just what we saw in this episode, which was nothing. It's basically just seeing her sister. So, yes, I yeah. So I don't, I'm not gonna say too much about her yet. But she was introduced in this episode, and yeah. So the Flash season two, season six, episode two of Flash of the Lightning is a decent episode, and the best part, of course, is the Crisis storyline with Barry Allen. I'm going to give The Flash, Season 6, Episode 2, A Flash of the Lightning, a B. Alright, now we're going to be talking about the Arrow episode. And I think it's well known now that this episode is fantastic. This was such a callback to the other episode. It's so nostalgic to everything. It's everything you'd want. I, I'm going to get right in because I really love this episode. And it's the first to me, for me, I think the 
out of the seven episodes that came at that at, that, at this point, this is the best episode and the first great one. And I cannot wait for episode two, which is, I won't be able to watch right away, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for episode two. But yeah, yeah. So Arrow season. So yeah, so this Arrow episode, we're gonna get right into actually talking about the content of the episode. First up, we're gonna be talking about. Well, first of all, actually, not even the content. I'm going to be talking about Stephen Amell, first of all, because he is awesome in this episode. Just like I talked about Grind Gustin, Stephen Amell is fantastic, and he's been able to carry the show for pretty much the last couple of seasons since it hasn't had the best storyline. Like, for season six and seven, I thought he carried a lot, many chunks of the season. Like, he pretty much carried, like, the first eight episodes of last year with the prison storyline. Him and that storyline carry that, carry that season to actually being pretty decent to me. And I don't want to see him go, but of course he has to. And the rest of the cast was great, too. It was awesome seeing John Barrowman back. Like, we've not seen him since season five finale, and he was fantastic in this. I think he's appearing in another episode. I can't say which one because I'm not 100% sure. Although it was confirmed this is the only episode actually taking place on a different Earth, which I'm not too pleased by. I wanted another one, but that doesn't really make sense for how Malcolm will appear again unless he comes back to play. Please, God, no. Like, there's, way too, there's been way too many, like... People getting resurrected. I hope there's, they actually end up going to another Earth. And, yeah. It was awesome seeing him back. Colin Donald's back. He's great. Maybe even better than ever. But he he's only in this episode because he's going off to do another show, I'm pretty sure. He's in quite a lot of it. And he is revealed to be the Dark Archer, which I, which I kind of predicted. Because they did the same thing with him in Season 6 episode. What is it? 8, I think, where he was revealed. It was... The Prometheus from a different Earth was revealed to be um, Colin Donnell as Tommy Merlin. I wasn't the biggest fan of that reveal because I think he was seen on set filming and that made it pretty obvious. But, and that kind of made it like, okay, they've hinted at this before. Tommy's probably going to beat him, beat him again. So that was great. We had more of back. That was awesome too. And we had... We had John Diggle from Earth One actually, um, appearing in that car. We got a, we got like a, we got like um, a re replayed like a different, the same thing that happened just played in a different way where he's in the car and Oliver's like, so what do I call? It? He goes dig, um, Diggle, dig if you want. Then he goes like, okay and all. And then Oliver pretty much grabs the door. He's gonna leave and it's locked. And then Diggle goes. Fooled me once. So that was a really funny scene. I love that scene. Afterwards, we learned, we learned that Dig that is the Earth One Dig will come and help Oliver on Earth Two, which I'm going to talk about right now. So they are revealed to be on Earth Two. I'm just going to talk about some of the other, other events first. They replay a lot of events from Season One, which I wasn't too surprised by, but but I. I wasn't too surprised that they replayed events, but I didn't expect it to be on Earth 2. I thought it would be more time traveling, but yeah. So we had him. Of course, if you didn't know, Oliver Queen from Earth 2 did die on the Gambit. It was revealed in the Flash Season 2 from Earth 2. But so basically Oliver's acting as if Oliver Queen never died and he was on Lian Yu and he finally returned. Then everything was replayed from last season, except this time Tommy Rowland's the Dark Archer instead of Malcolm Rowland. And then we have that scene where... Uh, Malcolm pretty much explains Oliver's plan and to us the exposition moment and the season one finale where uh, Tommy's explaining him like the undertaking and all. I 
I really enjoy that scene. There's fantastic acting from Stephen Amell and Colin Donnell. Scenes like that. And there's also, of course, when we first... And we also meet the Green Arrow, played by the Green Arrow of Earth 2, which I thought was Robert Queen, but is play, he's, uh, Green Arrow of Earth 2 is actually Adrian Chase of Earth 2, played by Josh Cigar, who That was awesome seeing him. I love him. Prometheus probably my second favorite Hourverse villain, or the best Hourverse villain to me. Seeing him was great. I did expect him to be... I didn't think he was going to be Green Arrow. I thought Malcolm Merlin was going to be Green Arrow. I'd like to uh, switch it a bit, but not... I don't Oliver... I thought Malcolm Merlin was Green Arrow. That's what I thought at first. But, yeah, so Adrian Chase is Green Arrow. That was definitely cool seeing him. Seeing him back. But although he isn't in as much of the episode as I was hoping... And he won't be in any other episode either, because I think, like, Colin Donnell, he went off to do another show. And he isn't amazing in this episode, but it was cool seeing him back. And just seeing, hearing him talking is, is, is great. And, yeah, it was cool seeing him back. Also, now we're going to talk about the ending. Of course, we knew this was coming. But, we, first of all, we got an undertaking attempt, which they, it didn't pan out. And then Tommy got um, turned back to the light side, and he took down his undertaking, so... None of that, but at the end, we have Oliver there and Diggle are about to leave Earth 2 on back to Earth 1. Then, anti-matter, just like in the Flash episode, hits Earth 2, and they're at the precinct, and it, and it wipes everyone out there. But Laurel is there in time, and Oliver, Diggle, and Laurel um, escape Earth 2 back to Earth 1. I love that. That was probably my favorite part of the episode. That was like the what moment of the episode. That was a crazy moment that pretty much hooks you for the rest of the season, and that episode just made me so excited. Like, that's like, that's the crisis teaser right there. And Arrow will be the show closest to crisis, I think, for the rest of the season. But I'm, I just, I genuinely am, I, I'm hyped over the moon now. I've never, I haven't been this excited for an hour versus, for the rest of an hour versus season since probably I was watching Arrow season five. This, this could be a fantastic season. And, if they keep bringing out this type of quality, it's probably going to be one of the best seasons of the Hourverse. And, yeah. If there's actually any negatives I have, it'd be two. First of all, it felt kind of obvious when they were kind of drawing away from actors who couldn't appear. Like, for example, when we had Curtis, just a picture of him, or when Felicity was supposed to be there, but then they had to get a Felicity wannabe in so that, or look-alike in, so that it'd be kind of funny. But I think it... There were a couple more times, which I can't remember off the top of my head, where I felt they wanted to bring an actor up, but they couldn't be there, so I had to write around it, and not all of them were. The Felicity one, I'll give them credit for. That was actually pretty funny. Curtis one, I was a little annoyed by. I thought I would like him to appear, but he is appearing in a later episode this season, so I think that might make up for it. There were a couple more you probably noticed during the episode, and the worst thing about this episode is the flash-forwards. They are so boring. That's just it. They are boring. The actors aren't doing a great job, except the actor who plays... Um, Connor Hawk, which I like. The other three actors aren't very good, but Connor Hawk is the best part of Flash Force. Everything else, meh. Just straight up meh. And I, whenever the Flash Force came up, I honestly felt like falling asleep. Luckily, there weren't much of them, and they were pretty short. It was about, they, there was only about two or three minutes of Flash Forwards in the whole episode, luckily. And the rest was present day in Earth 2, thank the Lord. Because whenever that came up, it was a lot better. Anyways... Arrow Season 8 Episode 1 is nostalgic, emotional, action-packed, everything you'd want from an Arrow episode. And it is, my, it might actually be my favorite episode since 
the season five finale. Or maybe last year's Slapside Redemption. Season seven, episode seven. I'm not really sure. I'm going to give Arrow season eight, episode one. Starling City, an A. Fantastic episode. If, you're, if you haven't caught up on Arrow and you're back on season six because you quit after that, go catch up and come watch this season because I guarantee you it will be amazing. I just know it. I have, like, a really good feeling about this season. I... I just, I, I'm, I'm so excited for episode two. Like, I'm going to get, I'm going to try to watch it as early as I can. But, quick announcement. I, from now on, I will be making, I'll, I know I said four to five weeks at the start of the episode. But, as I've been continuing to make these reviews, I, I've been thinking that it's like, you, you could have seen me stuttering a bit while talking about The Flash and Supergirl. Because I watched those a really long time ago, even Arrow. But, it was really memorable to me. That's why I got everything. And because of that, I couldn't remember everything. So, what I'm going to be doing now is doing this solo reviews of them. So I'll be reviewing Batwoman on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't have a date for that. That It just depends which day I can get one out. I'll be reviewing Arrow on almost all the time, Thursday morning. My review will be on Thursday. It's probably Thursday evening or Friday. So either Thursday, Thursday evening or Friday morning for Arrow. For The Flash, it will be in, on Saturday afternoon. And first, I won't be doing a review of Supergirl because by the time I'm able to watch that Supergirl episode, it's pretty late. Supergirl is only the main reason that I'm pretty late on these hour versus one downs, to be honest. So I will be watching Supergirl, but I won't be reviewing it anymore because it's hard to talk about. I will be making separate reviews. I think I'm actually pretty good at that because I've been talking about Arrow for quite a bit now. And I'm a lot more comfortable with it because I have to rush through these ones sometimes. And yes, guys, I will be seeing Terminator Dark Fate on... This Wednesday evening, which means I can't watch Arrow until Thursday morning. So my Arrow review will be Friday morning. This week in my Flash review, probably might be Friday evening or Saturday morning. So I'm able to watch it early this week. So I'm, I'm off school. But Terminator Dark Fate review, Thursday, even, Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, something like that. Then I'm not going to be doing a Terminator, Terminator ranking. But Terminator Dark Fate spoiler review, if there's a lot to talk about next week on Friday... Because it hasn't opened everywhere yet in case some people, people want to watch it they're not able to. Anyways, that, that, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed, go check out Our vs. Rundown 1 if you, if you already have checked it out. Stay tuned tomorrow, which will be my, my Season 1 Episode 3 review of Batwoman. I couldn't upload it today because I have another episode coming out. As I know it is, a Star Wars trailer breakdown. Look forward to that. This is coming out later. Actually, it might come out like just a bit after this. I'm not really sure. Anyways. See you next time. Or hear you next time.